Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of another Enneagram podcast. So um, hopefully you were able we to- We made it. We made it to two episodes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hit, we've, hit, we've made it. We've hit the big time here. So hopefully uh, you were able to check out episode one. And uh, really, our heart is just to help you as leaders grow um, to obviously, as we said, not be the cap to your organization. Um, but we have found in our personal lives and our professional lives that the Enneagram is an amazing tool um, to self-development and to helping our organizations, businesses, staff um, be the best that we can be and communicate the best that we can. And so, yeah, so I'm excited about today. We're actually going to dive a little bit into um, kind of a two episode series where we talk about our individual Enneagram journeys. And so today I'm going to uh, basically blast Ryan with questions and uh, <laughs> we're going to dig into uh, the journey of a, of a type one. But I, I have to start with this, Ryan. I was recently listening to a, uh, another podcast that you were a guest on okay. and they made reference to the fact that you were a professional football coach in India. <laughs> you, you gotta yeah. you gotta tell me what's up with that man so it's funny that you would actually bring that up today because just a couple hours ago I reconnected with the star player of the team that I that I helped coach and he and I were exchanging messages on on Instagram earlier today uh, but yeah so I, I lived in India for a while and I just have a lot of stories, right? A lot of cool opportunities that, that I got to uh, take part in while I was living there. And one of those was getting to coach, yeah, a professional American football team. Wow. And that is not because I'm like this huge jacked, you know, college or professional football player. Uh, it's honestly simply because I grew up in America where American football is a thing. And so, uh, you know, they were trying to start a league over there and, of course, like most people around the world don't know much about American football, but I did yeah. grow up playing it. And so, so I had the knowledge that they needed to, to be a coach. So I was yeah. a quarterback coach for a professional American football team for a while. That is amazing. Was that before or after your uh, collegiate basketball coaching <laughs> experience? Uh, shoot. I don't remember which one of those came first, honestly. But yeah, I also did that while I was there. Whoa. So I, I got to coach a college basketball team. And, you know, if you've ever played basketball in India, I don't know how many people that is, but but most of my Indian friends don't play a whole lot of defense when they play <laughs> basketball. It's all cherry picking, throw the ball to the other end of the court, and teams go back and forth. And like a pickup game, I've, I've literally been at pickup games where – they're like, okay, let's go. First team to 100 wins. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and you're like, what are you talking about? But it's a whole <laughs> lot easier to get to 100 whenever no one's playing defense. It sounds like an NBA All-Star game. That's what uh, it like. Yeah, real similar. So I, I, taught, I taught a college basketball team in India how to play defense. That's amazing. Well, I can say from personal experience, because I have played pickup basketball with Ryan Mayfield, that defense <laughs> – um, 
you have a lower center of gravity than most people. Um, and that's so, a really nice way of saying I'm short. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Um, but I, uh, yes. And I'm, I am, uh, on the, the lankier side of things. And so, um, you have picked my pocket multiple times. So, uh, so love it. Well, cool, man. Well, yeah. So let's, let's dive in. Tell me about, um, what a way to segue into this, but, uh, tell me about your introduction to the Enneagram. Uh, where were you like, what was going on in that season of life? And then, um, you mentioned in a recent conversation that, um, and we'll get to this, but it just kind of stuck around for you. So, so go ahead and talk about that for me. Yeah. So I first encountered the Enneagram, uh, gosh, it's been five or six years now, I guess. Uh, honestly, at this point, it's been a while, uh, but I've been in a lot of different organizations and teams and things throughout the years who have gone through a lot of different personality assessments, you know, and there's a lot of them out there. So you've got not only the Enneagram, but you've got things like DISC or Myers-Briggs or the Berkman assessment or Strengths Finders, or, you know, there's, there's a ton of different ones out there. And I think like most people that have been in, in teams or companies or whatever that have used things like that, my experience with them was always kind of a mixed bag, right? So some of them were great. Some were not as great. Some seemed helpful at times, but then when circumstances change, they're a little less helpful. I do know that it seemed like every time I went through one of those things, I always felt like I got the worst score. You know, like I remember being in a room full of people, probably 20 people that all took uh, one of those assessments. And after it was over, we kind of went around the room and everybody was supposed to talk about what their results were. And I, I went last. Everybody else went and it was like, oh, I'm good at this. And, and this is really a strong point. And then I felt like it got around to me and mine was like, you suck. You're a terrible person. You know, better luck next time. Uh, and so I always felt like those tests just really gave it to me. I, I, you know, so I kind of was a little bit sour on some of them. And so when I was uh, part of a team that was going through Enneagram training, I was the most skeptical person in the room, right? Other people were more excited about it. I was kind of like, okay, another one of these, here we go. And what happened was it, it just started being so much more, not true, but like I could see how it was accurate, not just in, in that particular circumstance on that particular team, but with Enneagram, we were talking about things that were true of my life, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about childhood and the environments that you grew up in and how that affected you right then and there and how it would into the future. And I mean, by the time it was done, I was like, okay, this, this one is different. And for me, I think what I decided was the biggest difference between Enneagram and other assessments was that other assessments tend to talk more about what we do, you know, maybe what we're good at, what our strengths and giftings are. Whereas the Enneagram focuses more in on our motivation, mm-hmm. why we do what we do, what's driving us. And, and, and that's a whole different thing, right? Rather than just trying to to adjust or control outcomes and actions, we wanted to investigate root causes and motivations. Mm. And that has such a greater impact, right? Addressing the, the root, 
yeah, versus true. the yeah. fruit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that was it. And then the other thing that, uh, like you mentioned, was the fact that it stuck around. You know, again, if you've ever been in those environments where you've taken DISC or Myers-Briggs or something, what tends to happen is you do some training, you take a test, you talk about it, it's great, everybody loves it, and then a week, week and a half later, you go back to normal life. You get busy with whatever you were doing, and that's just been the pattern as I've done those different assessments for a long time. But with the Enneagram, a week later, we were still talking about it. And two weeks later, we were still talking about it. And a month later, two months later, six months later, a year later, we were still talking about it. And not only that, it had spread to other levels of leadership within the organization so that it was becoming common language. Hmm. And that was so helpful. Having everybody on the same page, using the same language about that stuff made such a big impact where we were able to understand ourselves and each other in such a deeper, more thorough way than any time in the past, which changed the way we communicated with each other and our expectations and, and just the way that we worked together. And so, yeah, that was, um, that was my introduction to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I was actually a part of a lot of that, which was, uh, which was really special. Um, cause yeah. you guys were learning a lot of things. You're taking a lot of information and we were watching as people under um, your leadership and the team that you were a part of, we were watching this kind of dynamic shift and it was super special. And then you guys turned around and introduced it to us and mm. um, it was yeah, it was super impactful. So um, we stated this in episode one, but go ahead and tell everybody like what um, did you, did you get your type? Did you figure your type out pretty quickly or like, what was that process look like for you? Yeah. So I know that's different for everybody. Some people take a long time to discover it. Some people don't. Um, everybody has a different opinion on tests and assessments. Uh, for me, I, I did take an assessment and I believe that assessment was accurate. It identified me as type one on the Enneagram, which is very much like the perfectionist or the make it better kind of person, right? Like I like to walk into a room and I immediately start seeing things that, okay, this would be better if we did this instead of this, if we put mm. this here instead of there, you know, I, that's just the way that I see the world. I know the best way to load the dishwasher. That's like my superpower. I know the right and best way to load the dishwasher. Uh, and if there's anybody out there that wants to challenge me on that newsflash, you're probably an Enneagram one. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, um, I think it was so accurate for me that I just had this burden of perfection right? That I wanted everything to be perfect and be right how it's supposed to be air quotes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was big for me. I didn't know that I was holding myself to that standard and I didn't know that I was holding other people to that standard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, that's a pretty big deal whenever you realize that for sure. So you mentioned that it stuck around. What was the revelation? Like you, you get typed as an, an Enneagram one and then you start doing the work like, what was it? Like, what was that kind of like punch in the throat that made you dive deeper into this and really start to, um, yeah, like um, dig in and um, do some uh, some kind of like internal uh, work? Yeah. Well, this isn't unique to me. I think this is probably a similar story for anybody who really dives into Enneagram. I think you'll agree with this. One of the biggest things, most important things for me in that conversation was just the realization that not everybody views the world the way that I do, right? So for me, as a one who cared so much about doing things right and getting things perfect, first of all, it was frustrating when I didn't do that. But 
it was also incredibly frustrating when other people not only didn't do that, but didn't seem to care about doing that, right? That would just drive me crazy. I'd be, uh, well, I would say that I was pulling my hair out, but uh, as you can see, that's not really a possibility so much. But, But it was so frustrating when it seemed like people didn't care about that. Mm. And then on top of all of that, it was even more frustrating when people would be upset with me for being frustrated about that, right? I'm like, what? I should be frustrated about this. Don't you get it? Yeah. 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 And so just understanding that not only, you know, was my way of seeing the world, not that it's wrong to want what Mm. I wanted, but there are other things out there that people want and people care about. And not only were they missing what I saw and cared about, I was missing all the things that they saw and cared about. And so it was a two-way street. And I realized that a lot of my relationships, especially where I was leading things, that, that communication wasn't actually happening. We were missing each other, uh, both from their viewpoint and from mine. Yeah. So since we have a lot of leaders that will hopefully be listening to this, um, you said that it started to impact kind of the lower levels of, of the organization in terms of um, leadership, um, you know, underneath uh, the positions that you were in. What, what was it that you saw? Like, what was the impact? Like, what, what started to shift? What was, the, what was the new dynamic there? Well, so I think so often what happens in organizations like especially after they're established, you know, organizations shift from when they're started to when they become more of a, you know, sustaining uh, organization or team. But what tends to happen is the leader's vision or desire or goals really kind of drive the ship and, sh- and shape it. And that's a good thing in a lot of ways, especially when you're talking about starting an organization, you have to have visionary leadership and goals and things to drive for. But you'll notice there's not a whole lot of organizations who keep the same leader forever, right? Mm -hmm. Because different times call for different viewpoints and perspectives and goals and objectives. And so what I saw happen was whenever I realized that there's other perspectives and other, you know, highest values for other people around me and positions that are, you know, under where I was at the time, my leadership and the organization itself started to be a lot more well-rounded, right? A lot more full and not so tunnel vision on just what I thought was right and started to just be a healthier organization, right? It's the difference in, you know, a tire that has spokes that are different links versus one that's even all the way around. Not saying Mm -hmm. that we were perfect by any means, but when you start getting more perspective in there and more, um, I don't know, just space for people to value what it is that they value, I think that makes a healthier organization or a healthier team in the long term. Oh, absolutely. And I'll just add to that, that I think another byproduct, byproduct of it was that it helped you utilize people that you already had in house. There were probably people that you may have been overlooking because yeah. you didn't understand what they really brought to the table. And then you yep. dive into the Enneagram and you not only learn about the strengths that they have, but the weaknesses that they have. And you're able to really utilize that person. Um, and so rather than like longing for something that you wish you had, yeah. coming to an understanding that I actually have this here in this person, I mean, Mm -hmm. then inviting them into that process and decision-making things like that. Well, and that's huge if you're listening right now and you're a leader of something, the idea that there is potential 
in your team, in your organization that you are not using, that should light a fire under you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're talking the business world, that's literally money that's being lost. That's mm -hmm. an investment that's just sitting in cash that's not growing anywhere. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of information that can help you unlock the full potential of who you already have on your team. And that means greater returns without any extra investment. I mean, and that's, that's just good business, right? That's good leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Ryan, you've um, been introduced to the Enneagram. You start doing some work. You start growing um, in your you know, self-development, things like that, introducing it to your organization. How did you get to the place where you're actually now consulting for other businesses using the Enneagram as this common language? Yeah. So if you don't know, a little plug for that. Uh, I started a business called Evergreen uh, and it's spelled weird. It's just got the first E in it. So it's E-V-R-G-R-N. You can find more info, uh, evergreenteams.com. We'll put that in the show notes. But so what I do is I work with teams and leaders using the Enneagram as a system to help develop uh, better communication, mm. more productivity, job satisfaction, uh, reduce turnover, things like that basically making better work environments. How I got to that was actually a really natural progression. So in the previous role I was in, you know, I kind of dove into this topic and learned a lot about it. And so then people would ask me to teach them about it, right? So it just was very casual. And I started doing that here and there. And then I would have some other groups that would hear about it and, and then ask me to come do it there. And so I spoke at a couple of things and and then at some point, I was just like, okay, I think I could make this into some sort of a side business. Mm. Seems like there's a need for it. And so I started doing that and speaking at some different organizations and within different teams. Just when you know they would contact me, I wasn't putting a ton of effort into it, but it still just continued to grow. Mm. And it's like, well, shoot, I think there might be room for a full-time you know, business mm. doing this. And so finally I did, I, I launched out and started my own business doing that. And it has just been so cool. Like I love getting to go into a new business, uh, like new to me, right. And train a team on the Enneagram and just see people's reactions and their jaws hit the floor when all of a sudden it's like, yes, this makes so much sense now. Like yeah. it makes sense why I always you know, run into this problem, why I always get stuck in this rut, why me and this person always clash about this thing or in this environment. Yeah. And so just to see those light bulbs come on is one of my very favorite things. That's you awesome. know, and people are like, dude, you've been following me around. Like, how do you know this? I'm like, no, I'm not stalking anybody. I'm just talking about how people are. And when we understand that about ourselves and about others, we can we can actually work together really, really well. And when yeah. businesses and teams work together, uh, then those teams and businesses succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a story or two? I mean, in your um, time, you know, providing these tools and resources for people, do you have a story of uh, maybe something that you've seen that um, we're at a, an organization really um, wrapped their art, like hands around this and it, and it really started to um, shift and help the organization grow. Yeah. So the first one that comes to mind is uh, a, a guy named Justin who I work with his company and do some consulting for, for their entire organization. And we're going to have Justin on in a future episode, do an interview with him and he might even tell more about this. But I, I have one specific thing with him 
that I remember where he called me and I'll, I'll do among other things, I'll do a monthly kind of coaching session with a leader from an organization. And what's really unique about that is I've already trained the people under them. And so I'm really familiar with the people on their team already. Mm. And so leaders in those coaching conversations will be like, okay, I'm struggling with this, with this person. And so not only do I know the leader, I also know the person, yeah. right? So I've got both sides of it. And so Justin was talking to me on a, on a leadership or on a coaching call one day and saying, Hey, I'm having trouble with this person and this person. What do I need to do? How can I phrase things? What do I need to do differently? And man, it was awesome because, because I knew those people and I knew what their Enneagram type was. I knew what was valuable to them. I was able to coach him through how to navigate these conversations with a couple of specific individual people on his team that he then went to and the conversations went great. And he was, um, he was just really thankful and grateful for, for what I was able to give him in that. And that was just really rewarding to me, to me in that. And so, yeah, that was, that's the first one that comes to mind. You know, there's, uh, there's plenty of others and I'm sure we'll get to those over time as well, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And that's so amazing that you're doing that and um, providing those tools and resources for people. So we'll, we'll wrap it up with this um, in your journey um, and growing as a type one, what has been the most transformational um, piece? And uh, yeah, we'll close out with this, man. Uh, I will venture just a little bit outside of some of the other things we've talked about. Cause it would be really easy for me to repeat some of the things <laughs> Uh, but when you ask that, one of the biggest things that I haven't talked about at all is not to do with business. It's actually just personal stuff. So I will say that the Enneagram was an incredibly helpful tool for me in marriage. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously not all leaders that are listening to this are married, but probably a lot of them are. And so this is almost just a bonus on top (laughs) of the whole leadership conversation. Now, in reality, I'm going to go ahead and say that your marriage is probably more important than your leadership position. And if it's not, you might want to address that. Yeah. Uh, but, but even though that's a different topic, I think I would just say that as a bonus to the team going through it, it was great for me and for my marriage, for my wife and I to explore the thing together mm-hmm. and learn about each other. And, and honestly, I think it kind of catapulted us in our ability to communicate with each other uh, several years ahead. I'm not saying we couldn't have got there, but I think we got to skip a lot of the really difficult things along the way to understanding each other uh, in a way that, you know, just usually takes a lot longer. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> well, Ryan, thanks so much for sharing that, man. And uh, we appreciate you and um, your willingness to to take all this information and uh, communicate it in a way that um, can help us all grow and, and get better. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to dive into your story on the next episode. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys then. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast. As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media. And leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram. We're at Another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of Another Enneagram Podcast.